Welcome to Nutria Performing Arts Stories. I'm Dwayne Burkhard. Our guest today is yet another performer who has gone on from Nutria to great success on stage and screen. Jim True Frost is probably best known for his five seasons on HBO's The Wire, but over the last 40 years, he has appeared in over 50 films and TV shows. He is also one of the most well-known, and if I may say so, universally liked members of my graduating class at Nutrier. Jim, welcome to Nutrier Performing Arts Stories. Hey, Dwayne, great to be with you. And that just means that you didn't know the people that didn't like me, right? <laughs> that's great, <laughs> I didn't know any of them, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, thank you for having me. It's just been real. I was just telling you, and I wanna say it again live, it was, it was really fun to listen to Suzanne Adams and uh, Janet Vandegraaff and Tim Walsh and uh, Christine Polidoris, all these folks that you knew and worked with and that I did too. And it's just great to rekindle those memories and talk about old times. So thanks for join, uh, inviting me to join. My great pleasure. I do want to talk about a bunch of your work in film and TV over the years, but as I always do with my guests, I want to start by going back to Nutrier and to give you a chance to talk about your experiences there and specifically how Nutrier influenced and prepared you for your career in performing arts. Yeah, I will love to do that. And I'm going to try to be as candid as I can. It's so, it's so, you sound like such a professional. I can't get over it. Your voice and your, the way you, you talk is just so, uh, you're like a seasoned talk show host. And I'm going to try not to be seasoned. I want to be just uh, telling it like it was. <laughs> in other words, I want it to be like, what it feels like when I'm listening to your episodes is like, th <laughs> like it's therapy in a way. Well, you go, you do it. Do it your way. You know, so I just want to, you know, I'm going to lean, I'm going, I'm going to lean back on the couch and go back there. I have so many great memories. You know, I started in freshman year in the last year that Nutria West had four, four, four grades at it. And I did the, 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 um, the musical. You didn't need to be a junior and senior at that point. So I was in Annie Get Your Gun in Cornog Auditorium, the big auditorium there. And um, I think I took a boys choir class. And sometime during that year, I ran into Toby Nicholson somehow. He must have just been out recruiting as he did, you know, just sort of scouting. And he said, oh, you should think about taking boys dance. So I did. I took boys dance starting my sophomore year and stayed in the dance class all through. It was my only PE class I ever took, sophomore through, through senior year. I took boys dance, which was great, great experience for me. And um fed into the work that I did in the, in the musicals. Again, sophomore year, I was able to be in the junior senior co-op musical West Side Story because I got the dance part, the um, dance Tony in the in the dream ballet. So I had a lot of experience with musicals, which was just really, really fun for me and lucky because I, I don't really have a, a big musical theater voice and I haven't done any musicals since high school. So I, I really adored those experiences. The next one was uh, Oklahoma and Finian's Rainbow. And they were both also just great experiences. But I guess the main thing where my heart really was, was in the straight acting. And I really enjoyed my acting classes with Suzanne Adams and with Michael Rautenberg and John Baumhart. I knew the two of them from the West Campus. They both joined the faculty when the schools combined. And um, Suzanne, I met my sophomore year, first of the sophomore acting class, and as you've talked with some other folks, you know, her really deep centered approach to acting affected me in in over those few years in in ways that are really still with me. And 
and were really formative for me, not just in the process of acting and the, the craft of acting and the sort of uh, sense of the sacredness, which you've talked about with other folks and which, which really made sense to me, the sort of spiritual aspect of the pursuit of acting. And that kind of fed into, you know, a part of my personality, I think, because I turned into somebody who spent years and years practicing yoga and meditation and just sort of being a sort of a philosophical seeker in a way and a spiritual seeker. Well, in we all are, are that, but in a way that Mrs. Adams' work really fed into because she was so into Jung and the archetypes and the, the unconscious and all of that. So you listed off a bunch. Do you have a favorite new true performing arts department experience? And if you do, why? Well, this is funny. When I, in thinking about that, you know, I, I had the great privilege of playing some lead parts in great plays. And they were certainly the, the most impactful in terms of my acting career. But I love music so much. And one of the things I loved more than anything else was chorus concerts. I'm thinking like the Christmas concert, we would do the Hallelujah Chorus in the gym right. on bleachers, just hundreds of us with a huge orchestra. And one time we did songs from the Carmina Burana, which is such beautiful music. And those really, that more than anything else, gave the sense of ensemble work, which all the plays did in their way, but God's sake, in those chorus concerts, there were hundreds of people and a full orchestra singing eight parts, harmonies and stuff. So that just really cracked my heart open. I just love singing that way with groups. So I'm going to go with that. Chorus concerts. And I'm glad you did because I love it when guests give me an answer that I didn't expect. <laughs> and it is interesting. You know, like, like Mary Ryan last year, she mentioned a class project in one of Mrs. Adams' classes and nobody had done that. That when people do that, that's really cool. And you're right. That's and that's another part of Nutrish Performing Arts Department that I think we'll explore this year. But it's another thing that that people have to realize. It it was very broad and multidisciplinary, and it included all of these things that were that were really incredible. I I'll tell you this. I also knew when I asked you that question that the answer was not going to be our town because you told me this week something I almost didn't believe, and that was that you did our town for the very first time in your life just last year. Correct. Which begs the question, how on earth did you get through four years of Nutrier without having to at least read it? That is unbelievable to I, me. I I know. It's really funny. I mean, almost everybody in the cast of the production I was just in. Everyone. Had been in it before, <laughs> had directed it before, you know, had their kids have been in it. You know, I just, I it was so fun to, to encounter that play at age 56 and see the you know the beauty of it for the first time it's such a lovely piece of writing i played the stage manager at this production in, in syracuse here where i live at syracuse stage in a really nice production with a great cast and yeah that's a really good question i remember hearing of it you know like oh well so-and-so's doing the emily monologue of whatever and and i was like oh that must be something i'm gonna see sooner or later and i don't know was i out in the smoking lounge having cigarettes uh, was i just cutting class that day i missed it somehow wow that's impressive so let's talk about shifting from stage acting to tv and, and film work because you're one of our graduates that's been able to do that successfully was that transition easy difficult 
weird, natural, unnatural. Tell us a little bit about that from your perspective and how that worked for you. Uh, sure. It was very challenging. I mean, it was natural in, the, in a sense that I could tell right away I was drawing on the same skills and the craft of acting and that if I could, you know, really do my homework and be professional and show up in a good way that that I could do well. But on the other hand, acting in front of the camera requires such a different set of muscles that I, I really felt like a novice for a long time. I really did. I think when I did the, the Wire in my 30s was the first time when I had enough repetitive experience in front of the camera to feel somewhat like I could do my thing. There's so much about rehearsing in theater that just frees you. You know, you know, you've got days and days and days to just try things and you can kind of, you know, hone it down and experiment. And acting on camera, you may get a few rehearsals, but often uh, very few. And and it's also the camera's gaze is so limited, often with close-ups being, you know, just your face. and And so the need to convey everything smaller, you know, basically smaller and subtler and more nuanced and with your eyes and less of your less relying on sort of the stage picture and your, your whole physicality. Those were things that I'm, you know, still feel like I'm just, you know, just <laughs> still learning how to do. And so what, how did it go? Well, I started my senior year, I think Sean Ellis, who was a senior his mom was an agent and he must have seen Cyrano or something, or she must have seen it. And I, I just passed him in the hall one day and he said, Hey, my mom said, give her a call. She, she wants to talk to you. So she, she brought me downtown to meet and talked about representing me. And this started going on auditions. And um, I guess I probably did mostly like commercial auditions. I may have gotten my first on camera TV commercial job during senior year, or it may not have been until, till after I uh, graduated and and then it was just a string of little things with parts on series and a few lines here and there. I did the crime story pilot that shot in Chicago, like a bunch of other Chicago actors getting some of their first work on that. And I got a part in The Accidental Tourist teaching me early in my career the lesson about getting your part seriously cut. My part was completely cut from the film, so I didn't appear in The Accidental Tourist. But I was really excited, and that was my first taste of sort of playing in the big leagues and a big uh, studio picture with big stars and stuff. So I kept doing that while I, you know, started going to Northwestern and beginning my career in Chicago theater. I just kept on chugging away, trying to get parts in TV and film in Chicago. Moved through a couple of different agencies there and then ended up reorienting and moving out to New York City. We are having a great conversation and a great time talking with stage, TV, and film actor Jim True Frost. And we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. This episode of Nutria Performing Art Stories is being brought to you by my new book, Rags, Riches, and Roller Coasters My Life as a Serial Entrepreneur by Dwayne Burkhardt. The book chronicles my incredible 25-year roller coaster ride during my crazy, difficult, wonderful, tragic, and amazing years as a small business entrepreneur. The book is available at Amazon.com in ebook, paperback, and hardback. Get your copy today. And we are back. We are talking with Jim True Frost. 
And uh, Jim, we're talking about the transition there between film and TV. Let's move forward a little bit in your career now. And like Rain Wilson, your Cyrano co-star, and we'll talk about that again at, at some point here. It was about 20 years into your time as a professional actor. And I think a lot of people miss how much work it is and how much time goes into this. But it's about 20 years into your time as a professional actor before you get this career-defining role on The Wire. Talk a little bit about the role and getting the role. And, and But most specifically, at what point it was in that process and working that you realized hey this is this is different you know presbo is is a different this is a different opportunity and this is a different thing yeah i i'd say as soon as the show began shooting i wouldn't when i auditioned i really couldn't tell i mean i don't i didn't have the whole script and i knew that the producers and writer david simon produced and wrote homicide life on the street or whatever it's called life on the killing street so homicide was a really great show and i had done a one episode thing on that and so you know i knew this was going to be good tv but i i had i didn't really have the sense about how deep it was and how broad the canvas was going to be until the show got going and once it did it was really clear because the writing was just so good and the cast was so big that it was clear that you know it wasn't about stars or anything frivolous as that you know that it was really about storytelling and really about the world and about baltimore and other cities and about crime and city politics and eventually about schools and life on the street and you know it was just lesson after lesson in sociology and and history and and urban planning and urban design and uh social inequality all the rest you know it was just such a such a unique show and all and the cast you know i think everybody felt so humbled by by the intensity and importance of the of the message and the quality of the writing just the great stories that you know there was just a feeling of ensemble you know, pulling together and really feeling grateful for being there. Yeah. So you mentioned the school thing, and there's always the statement that don't work with children and don't work with animals. You obviously got the chance in, in this role to work with kids. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to say, oh, my God, just don't do that. Or, wow, this was really a lot of fun. What was it like to work with all those kids? Well, I could say a lot and I could talk all day because they were so great. It was nothing like the um, fear-inducing <laughs> horror-inducing experiences you might have with a bratty stage kid or a kid star or something. They were like as serious actors as the rest of the of the cast. You know, the the, the one, the four or five who played good um, regular parts were very, very serious and good actors. And the other thing is that the rest of the, you know, I was in front of a classroom of twenty or thirty kids, and even the ones who just would have one line here or there, who may never have had a line were there from week to week, you know, they were there day to day being a part of the group. And so they too shared this sense of like, we're part of something, it's important. There's an atmosphere of sort of seriousness about the, about and purposefulness about, about the work. So, so it was, uh, they were a joy. It was, it was, it was great. They were great actors. A, a lesson in one of Mrs. Adams' famous sayings that there are no small roles. Exactly, exactly. I think of that often. And some of those kids proved it. A couple of them who just had a few lines here and there 
really pulled off something beautiful. And you see it when you watch the show. It's just the most, you know, it's one of the things that makes people say, hey, I heard they, they cast a lot of non-actors in that show. And that's not the case. It appears like real life because they're great actors. Because they're very good yeah. at what they're doing. Well, I, I asked those two questions kind of for a reason, you know, that about the feeling of the show, because I wanted to hear what you just said. And that is that they embodied the naturalness of it. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So you've done a lot of TV roles recently, including Law & Order, Fringe, one of my absolutely favorite shows, Elementary, Madam Secretary, The Blacklist, Yellowstone, Manifest, another very cool show. Are these roles or are there now roles that you are looking for? Or is it more that the roles come looking for you? Gosh, you know, I tortured myself in the very early years of my career thinking about you know, what kind of career I wanted to craft or what choices to make. <laughs> I found very early that uh, the life of most actors, including this one, is being glad when the work comes along. I've been super lucky and I feel like I've had a, a lot of great parts. But even where this television stuff is concerned, I've auditioned for hundreds of shows and not gotten the part. So I really, I really, you know, I take the work as it comes. Those shows you mentioned are all things I've done in the last five to 10 years and proud of being part of those shows. You know what's funny, Dwayne? I remember in my 20s, not even auditioning for TV. Things have changed so much. It was like, I'm going to be a film actor. I dreamed, but was that was a serious choice at that point. You know, I'm not, I, I don't want to go up for TV shows. I want to go up for films. And it that line became blurred within the next, uh, you know, five years or so. By the time I was 30, it was very different. Very, You know, there were cables, cable stations and cable outlets and lots of different platforms and more and more so-called movie actors taking movie taking tv parts so there was no longer that kind of distinction between the two mediums and so no i mean the short answer is i i don't i don't think that much about uh what i'm looking for i, I don't really don't have the privilege so i i just keep my fingers crossed that work comes keeps coming in at all and that it's work i can hold my head up and be proud of <laughs> Well, it's certainly work you can be proud of. It's spectacular. And to go back for the to the wire for just a moment, it is amazing. I think that you did an excellent job, as you said, where the camera brings it in and a lot more of the acting work is with your, you know, your eyebrow or your face, or the camera comes in so much closer and the act the amount of acting is kind of a different thing. And in watching you in the wire in particular, I think that you you did that extraordinarily well. But thank you. So back up for a moment, we're going to, since you mentioned film and you mentioned your 20s, I'll go back to this because I did not see you initially, I eventually saw it, but I did not see you in Fat Man and Little Boy at the time because I was on active duty <laughs> doing other things. But the first film that I remember seeing you in was Singles. Mm. And I remember being in the theater and just all of a sudden, oh crap, that's Jim True. I, I've been on stage with that guy, you know? Mm -hmm. At that point in your career, yes, as you say, you're 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 becoming a film actor, and you get you're in a film role in a film with some really big names, and and holding your own with them. You know what was that experience like for you as somebody early in your career in your twenties, getting that kind of an opportunity? That I was extremely exciting. You're right. It was like the uh, for me the first. You know, I'd done a little part in Fat Man and Little Boy, a little part in Accidental Tourist that got cut. So it was my first serious role, like in a in a in a big film. 
And um, I was thrilled. Yeah, I made good friends with Campbell Scott and I'm good friends with him still. And um, Matt Dillon was in it. So so getting that part in a big studio film, you know, I, I went to the Warner Brothers lot for the audition and in front of these one of these big casting directors who's cast one of the all you know some of the big movies over the from the since the 50s you know just said it was just crazy it was really exciting and it was also kind of a turning point well I wouldn't say that I mean I stayed optimistic about sort of making it and getting bigger and bigger parts in the movies you know for a little while and I got a couple more great ones in the next sort of three four five years but I really stopped, I, I really kind of, that was the sort of the first and the last of, of sort of, you know, mainstream, big part, studio film, big name stars. It really, beca- it really be- became, I, I started feeling the current change and it kind of made sense because I, I being a giant movie star was n- never going to be who I was. I, I see now. I didn't see then. But, you know, the kind of I would see people that I really respected and get the sense of what their careers had been like and say, oh, if I could just be a little bit like David Strathairn or something, you know, somebody who works a lot, has a lot of respect, is a real craftsman. God knows now he's been in some giant films and he's he's a big star but he also was someone who kind of you know represented for me that that kind of workaday actor that i thought i had some hope of kind of becoming and have continued trying what a magnificent set of candid and real answers from yet another amazing guest on our show and we're not done but we are for now so it's time to remind you that this episode of nutria performing art stories is a copyrighted production of Narratives, LLC. It is written, directed, produced, and edited with great care by yours truly, Dwayne Burkhardt. If you have comments or suggestions, please email info at nutrierpadstories.com. And please join us next week for part two of my interview with TV and film star, Jim True Frost. Until then, thanks for listening. Please hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time.